Mate, are you um, ready to hop in a time machine? Whatever Coldplay song was good in 2015, fire that up because it is the Cornhuskers and Birdmen in a rematch of the 2015 Grand Final! What's up, Fix You, the real sad song that everyone thinks that they're going to have their wedding? Ah, uh, sorry, their funeral. I said wedding, I said funeral. Couldn't be any more opposite. It's game time. So to me, that would be a good way to open it up. Yes. You know, so, yeah, there's definite appeal there. Oh, no, we just lost our under-20 demographic. It was a fizzer. So where do young people go when they're not uh, catching passes at the Steelers, Tay? Someone like the Jets will probably throw a massive coin at him to try and send his career into a tailspin. Hot diggity dog. I'm an optimist. I, I like having lots of options. Because, I mean, we see this all the time. We see three for twos. We see two for ones. Honestly, mate, that'd be enough to make me play well. This is a game my wife and I play at home, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> this is the Astro League. It sounds so weird in, like, an Australian accent. The Astro League. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> the Astro League podcast. I think my sheriff's decision is I, I just wouldn't do it during the season. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the Astros Fantasy Football Podcast for week one of the 2021 Astro League season. I'm Matty C. I'm your host. I'm the commissioner of the league. If rumours are to be believed, I'm the worst trade partner on earth. But I'm probably the most excited person on earth at the moment too because, gosh, we're only a couple of days away from this whole thing starting to accumulate points and get rolling and all this smack talking we've been doing in the, well, okay, smack talk that I've been doing in the interim has uh, sort of been a little toothless until people start actually, you know, proving whether they're good or crap. You can find us on social media. We are at Facebook and Instagram at Astro League Podcast. You can even find us on Twitter at Astro League Pod where the mailbag's kind of going bananas. I've got another one in there this week. And we've also got the email address AstroLeaguePodcast at gmail.com. Now, the show is big. We have a swathe of trades to investigate. There were about four in a day and a half period. We're off to a record pace this season, and there is eight matchups for week one to preview. Now, one thing about the way we kick off this season, for those who aren't participants, is that each division is a division of four. It's just set up like an NFL conference. The idea is that you played three opponents in your division at the start of the season, one, two, three, in weeks one, two, three, and then you also do the same thing in the last three weeks of the regular season, and that way it really does set up the big fight, you know. Firstly, you get a little bit of a look at who's good and who's not in your division, and then the second time around, you get the chance to be kingmaker or, uh, or, or you know, maybe even crush some dreams on the way. There is a lot of scoring quirks in our league too, so for those who aren't familiar, we're a 16-team league where quarterbacks get six points for a passing touchdown. They also get a bonus for 300 yards of passing, and they'll get an extra bonus this year for if they pass 400 yards of passing. Now, pass catchers get a half point per reception or half PPR. They also get a bonus for accumulating 100 yards of rushing or 100 yards of receiving if they're skilled players. And if you can do both in a day, like maybe, say, McCaffrey or someone like that gets 122 yards rushing, 125 yards receiving, something like that, then he'll score a bonus point for each of those hundreds. So it's kind of cool. The other change that we've made this year, too, is in relation to kickers. Check this out. Up until now, every kick that was under 50 yards was worth three points if it was made, and every kick over 50 yards was worth five. So those things are still true, except we've just kind of wedged in that between 40 and 49, you're going to get a bonus point in there. It's going to be worth four points. So any kick successfully made field goal from 40 to 49 yards is now going to be worth four points and every successful kick made from 39 and down is going to be worth three but we've also doubled the extra point we've gone from one to two for a successful conversion after a touchdown or a point after try those are going to be worth two points so all of a sudden our kickers are going to score in the realm of 180 to 200 points this season if they're a good kicker and that is right up there with some of the better wide receivers 
Now, there's a lot to cover too with Taylor around this upcoming slate of games and a few new segments for the 2021 season. But each week, I'm going to start with a dollop of news. The results are in. The people have spoken. That's what it comes down to. We're not the no-fun league. But you need time to negotiate that. That's what my wife says. Very quick. Uh, Let's jump in and do this thing. Now, this is not a fantasy player, but fuck me if this isn't a whopper. So, the news here is that wonderful Dallas offensive tackle, Zach Martin, is one of the very first players this season to test positive for COVID and to be ruled out of a game. He was one of eight Cowboys who were put on the COVID reserve list, and five of those guys have tested positive for COVID. He is going to miss the season opener versus Tampa Bay, and he is easily the highest profile person on that list. So, lucky there's no implications for an offensive tackle being on a COVID restriction, right? Yeah, not many implications at all. Only, you know, Dak Prescott. Only Ezekiel Elliott. Only everything in the passing game. Only all things wholly under the sun, to be honest. It's it's going to be a bit of a mess, but there really probably is not a fantasy option in Dallas that isn't involved in the mirth of the Zach Martin sort of news and fallout. What we do know is that it makes life a little bit easier for the Tampa Bay defense and a little less to do for Tampa in the second half after they just go about establishing that lead against that weakest piss Cowboys defense. I guess the thing to know here too is that this is the first of players to be ruled out with COVID-19 for this year. It's not the last, not the last by any stretch at all. This is going to be the beginning of maybe a wave that begins where there were a lot of players who've been back in their college towns this week for more of their home openers and a bunch of them are about to fail testing because even countries that have good protocols around this stuff are having a hard time and the US is not one of those countries. All right, politics aside, the other things to talk about here are other injuries too. And T.Y. Hilton has been sent to IR. We don't expect to see him this season. J.K. Dobbins and Travis Etienne had already been sent there too. So the list is growing already, guys. It's pretty sad. The Ravens actually find themselves in all kinds too now with Justice Hill having gone down late last week with a significant lower leg injury believed to be an Achilles injury. Now, the Ravens, they have worked out Le'Veon Bell, Devonta Freeman, Elijah Holyfield, all these to take away some of the issues that Dobbins and Justice Hill going down has created. So watch this space. But what it really does say is, yeah, this isn't Gus Edwards' backfield all to himself. It probably never was. And uh, potentially people have been a bit high on him after the J.K. Dobbins injury. Watch this space. Well, it is so great to have you back again so soon, man. Aren't you excited about week one? I'm finding it hard to sleep. I cannot wait, mate. It's, I thought it was bad after draft day. I was on a draft day high a day later. Yes, you were. Later. I've sent out some trade offers, uh, some things yes, to you have. from my team. And the banter in the group has been fantastic. It's just been a great uh, week after draft. Uh, Post-draft has been brilliant, and I can't wait to get into it, mate. Let's do it. Let's do it, mate. The group has been plucky. I mean, I've been taking shots because, fuck it, why not? But (laughs) it's great to see others participating and taking some shots at each other too. We all love taking a shot at the host, mate. That's just how we do it. Yes, We love you, but we're going to take shots. (laughs) <laughs> Please do. I have very low expectations this year. I'm realistic. <laughs> I've seen too many times how you can wheel and deal, so I'm not ruling you out. Oh, piss off, mate. Oh, that mantle is gone now. I've been watching you this week. You are the wheeler and dealer. You are Larry and the off. Let's make a deal. Can you tell me a little bit about what the fuck you've been up to this week? Because your hands must be grubby. You've, you've been working hard. 
Yeah, so there was there was a couple of day period where I sent out some uh, trade offers. I, I don't know, if, you know, the listeners probably don't know exactly who I am, but I love I love a deal. I'm a, I am a salesman yeah, uh, in my are. job, and it's just something I love to do. Uh, it's I think that makes the game so much funner. I'm massive on. I want to talk about the guys I'm giving up here in these trades. I actually think are going to be great, and I think that a lot of them are going to beat their ADP. So it's not like I was giving up guys I didn't like, but I always wanted to get uh, rid of Mooney to be honest, because I felt like I was never really going to be able to play him outside of an Allen Robinson injury. I don't want to have two pieces of the wide receiving core at the Bears, uh, so I offered him up to Kenny for Robbie Anderson. Uh, Robbie Anderson's someone I really like this year. I think with Darnold going there, I think that's an upside on Teddy Bridgewater. Not everyone thinks that, but I do. Uh, but I think the whole team in general is going to be better. And they've only got two main wide receivers instead of three like they did last year. And I think that makes a difference. So I, I made a trade for him. And to be honest, at the time, I thought that was fine. I wasn't really planning anything else after that. But I actually went out for a walk and I went, you know what? I might look and see if Robbie Anderson sort of garners a bit more upside than Moody in people's minds. So I, I threw out a trade to Jackal, and I've now been told that Jackal never trades. So the fact no, that I got a trade out of him was actually amazing to the whole league. But I threw one out to him uh, where I threw Damian Harris and Robbie Anderson for Austin Aqua. And he got back to me within about a minute and a half. It was the quickest rejection of a trade I think I've ever seen. Yep. And I thought, well, that's And then all of a sudden, he threw back to me Mostert and uh, Robbie Anderson for Ekla. And I I, I accepted it probably quicker than he rejected the first offer. I I, I couldn't believe that I got that back. So I'm sitting there with uh, now Zeke and Austin Ekla and uh, Damian Harris as my three running backs. So I'm pretty happy. But look, I went to bed that night, mate, and the mad scientist brain got going. And I went, you know what? I'm going to work a three-team trade here. <laughs> I'm not just going to go after one person. I'm going to go after two. Well, I've uh, me and- chess. I want to play 3D chess. Yeah. <laughs> the Crusaders had uh, been talking deals. We'd worked at pretty much oh, really? changing parties and stuff like that anyway. And nothing really worked. It just There was no upside for either of us. And I went, you know yeah, what? If I think us Edwards off uh, Seahorse, I, I went to Tim first before I even had a deal done. I said, Tim, would you take Damian Harris and Gus Edwards and I'll get Derek Henry off you? And he said, yep, if you do that, I'm in. So then I went to Seahorse and I know he liked his wide receivers. I don't want to give away too much of what my thinking is, but I know Seahorse is always willing to do a deal. Uh, he liked his wide receivers. Yes, he does. Uh, he's two in on his uh, running back. So I think his draft, where everyone laughed at him, I think he's actually fine where he sits because I don't think he cares about running backs. He's, he's more than happy to get upside from his receivers. Uh, so I offered him Pascal Gage, who, to be honest, Pascal, you know, he was a bit of a fodder from the bench. He could be aiming. I don't know. Gage, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I actually think he could be a real deal this year. Uh, look, Julio's gone... Um, there's got to be reception somewhere else. I think Gage takes a lot of it. And I'm not saying he's Ridley, but he's going to be a great piece for that Atlanta offense. But I'm probably just trying to show how I sold it. That's <laughs> probably what it looked mm, like. Yeah. Kenny Gainwell, was, was a, he needed some sort of running back. 
I think he could take over from Sanders eventually, but it's not going to be straight away. And look, um, Seahawks was happy with that, and he gave me Gus Edwards, um, which honestly, in that trade itself, you know, Adam said it wasn't great, but I, I can see why he would want that trade. It gives him a few different pieces to choose from. Uh, and then I already had the deal for Derrick Henry. And now uh, my uh, running back core is Ezekiel Elliott, Austin Eckler, and Derrick Henry. Oh, so um, I'll leave that for you. nightmares for that division, by the way. Wow. Just wow. So you've now got this uh, superpower team. And the great thing is you've done nothing other than put a complete target on you that uh, everyone's going to be right after you this year and, and probably rejoicing a little bit if there's any shadow and fraud. Uh, if you hit any hurdles, I think there'll be a couple of celebrations heard around the league, especially in the Astros South, because, gosh, that's really, in my mind, promoted you from, I think those power rankings getting around the other day were putting you in that 10th, 11th kind of range, right? Well, man, I don't know how you're not right up there in the, maybe you haven't paid for a subscription like Ryan, so maybe you're not one, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it puts you up there. Yeah, and look, I... I don't want to toot my own horn. I, I get really worried of that. And I've told you how I feel easier on the podcast when I'm 0-5 than if I was 5-0 because uh, I always would feel like that I'm, something's going to go wrong. Um, but I'm happy with how it turned out. I had a bit of a plan with some of the trades, not all of them. Uh, and how it worked out is exactly how I wanted it. Unless something extraordinary happens. And, and we know extraordinary things are going to happen because, I mean, gosh, if you told me last year that the Denver Broncos were going to have to start a wide receiver at quarterback, I would have thought that was strange. If you told me, just, do you remember something? If you told me that Thanksgiving Day football wasn't going to be till six days later, I would have laughed at that too. Like, so the extraordinary is going to happen, 100% going to happen. Uh, and I mentioned some of that in the news at the top of the show too to say, well, we've already seen the first really influential player get ruled out with COVID this year. And it's not even like a fantasy skill player. It's an offensive lineman for the Cowboys. And that's going to make things a little trickier for the Cowboys offense because Zach Martin is such a key part to how everything else happens in that Cowboys offense. So we're going to see these things happen all year long. Nobody better ensured to cover that than your team right now. And it brings a different aspect into fantasy. Like you actually have to start looking at what teams have way better vaccine rates and, and, and teams that aren't going to get destroyed by COVID this year or at least get destroyed by the fact that they're not even going to be able to play game because they don't have a high enough vaccine percentage of their team. Like, yeah, they're things that so. people laugh at. They're actually legitimate thing in fantasy football this year. Yeah, you have to matter. actually look at all different aspects. So, you know, it's going to, it's going to be an interesting year. No better place to look at the beginnings of this interesting year. We've got the heavy weight of previewing week one on us. Taylor Talk this year, going to look a little bit different from last year, where it was very much hedging on people on waivers. Uh, this year, we're going to let you fuckers fight for yourselves on the waivers. We're going to talk about what's going to happen week to week in the league. Uh, I've got a nice little preview drop. I'm going to whack it in now before we pick our divisions up and, and go for it. Okay, let's do it. I'm going to go through what the playoffs would look like if they started today. And let's preview week 13. I reckon that will come out good. But this year, I just kind of feel like it's different, don't you? You look at this year, how tight it is. Reviewing all of this week's matchups. Exactly. And how exciting would that be? Well, it'd certainly give people something to think about. And that's a wrap. All right, man. So we each kind of decided we would take our own divisions because I'm in the east and you're in the south. Who better to talk about those divisions than people who live in them, right? 
But then we sort of split the other two divisions between us and we'll preview the games from those other two divisions as well. We haven't actually discussed who's going to go first here. Do you want to kick it off with the South? The South, baby. Crusaders versus Gnomes. Uh, I'm just going to go a bit of an edge bot position. So I won't go too far. Um, I'll just sort of do a little bit. It's probably going to be cringeworthy, but that's, you know, that's where I live. Get the hell out of my division, Mahomes. He's going to have his way with Dak until he grows. At running back, I see an edge again here for Tim because Sermon's prospects in week one are more than grim. Now, don't fret, Jerry. I like your receiving core. Ridley's given me a boner that I can't ignore. Tonyan versus Ebron. At this position, lacks class. Tonyan wins because Ebron sucks ass. <laughs> These guys' flexes are truly great. I can't split them, so there's nothing left to debate. As normal... Kickers and defences can suck my balls. No rhyme needed. Oh, wait. Suck my balls. I've got <laughs> Crusaders getting up 11 to 98. Wow. How about that? <sighs> Mate, I, um, I don't know if we talked a lot about this because kickers are going to score a little bit differently this year. You see their projections are all about three points higher this year than they were last year, three to four points higher. And that's just extra points worth two instead of one, 40-yard field goals worth four instead of three. So just keep that in mind. I guess they can still suck your balls, but now they can suck your balls a little bit harder. I will admit it does matter. Like I, when I, I dropped a couple of kickers and stuff because I started looking into better offenses. Um, I actually think it does give Seahorse a little bit of an edge having Bucker because not only is he one of the best kickers in the league, you know they're going to score a lot of points. So yeah, it actually point, does yeah. matter. Um, I I went and got sucker because. Suggers so one of the best under 50-yard kickers in the league. And I just think in general, they're going to score a lot more than they need to kick a field goal. So I was like, the two-point uh, extra yeah, extra point that'll matter. Uh, is going to matter because he loves the short-range kick anyway. So they're scoring four touchdowns a, a week. That's eight points right there. He needs to kick a short-yard field goal. I'm getting 11. So... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm more than fine with taking suck up there. <laughs> this is where this scoring would have helped you with your mate Sanders last year, was it? No, Myers. Myers, your boyfriend Myers from Seattle. This scoring would have made you happy with him. Yeah, whoever has Myers. It was you that took him, wasn't it? Was it you? I can't remember. You said I've it got him this year. I've got Myers. Yeah, Myers, I trust, mate. You're not going to get the same issues that I did. You, you might get it from Carson. Yeah, you're still going to be hurting from Carson when it's one yard out on the first first and one. And you're like, yes, Carson, here we go. And then all of no. a sudden, Russell just pegs it into the stands for no reason. Uh, but yeah, I, at least Myers will get two points from an extra point. But I'll, I'll, I'll admit, it, does, it adds an actual part of fantasy I like. I actually like the idea of thinking about the kicker and going, you know what, I've got to go high-powered offense. I actually went Mac Gay initially because I thought the Rams are actually going to be pretty decent. But I started thinking that because their defense is so good, that maybe they're going to have some lower scoring games too. Whereas I think, even though the Buccaneers have a good defense too, let's be honest, I just think they're going to air it out. I don't think they're going to give a shit. I just think Tom Brady's going to say, Bruce Arians, we don't give a fuck if our defense keeps the other team nil. We're winning 52 nil. Uh, I'll take a look at the next uh, matchup. Don't know if you've heard of the first team called the Strokes versus Snag Dogs. All right. Position edges. Uh, Kyler is really small, but could still out drink you, Aaron Rodgers, you wanker. Uh, <laughs> Kyler is the worst defense 
as a Titan for a bucket of ass last year. Yep. So give the edge to the guy who looks smaller than the shits I take in the morning. Uh, blockbuster running back battle. Chubb lives up to his name. Najee <laughs> is destined to destroy me this season after saying he was a stay away at draft time. Hard to go away from Derek Henry and Austin Eckler. Wow, what a matchup. Yeah. I've got nothing else. That's it. Uh, receiving battle goes to Joel. After Cooper's done kicking me in the balls, I wish I had a cup. He boost! He just needs to be better than a dickhole to beat Logan Thomas. <laughs> Two Cowboys in the flex. Give this one to Zeke the Freak. Hopefully, Michael fails to gallop. No! Prediction. Wow. Joel 0.01. <laughs> wow. I think Joel's actually got one of the better predictions in the whole league in terms of um, just in terms of projection for the website. And it just it just doesn't look as impressive when it's against, you know, you've got a team that has Zeke at flex. I mean, yeah. <laughs> poor poor guy, what a way to open the season. He would have he would have looked at my team last week at this exact time and gone, Yeah, I can see or you know, where I can beat him, blah blah blah. And it's changed. But you know what? I think he definitely has a uh, wide receiver edge. And, you know, all you need is that edge <laughs> to, to win a week. You never know what's going to happen, even with my studs. They could just have their average week this week. So, you know, only knows. So maybe I'm as humble as pie, and I'm going to say that Joel wins by 0.01. Joel by 0.01. The oh, poor guy. He's, he's got a big mountain to climb, but we'll see what happens. Um, I like that. So, in the West, we're looking at Joel with a win. And, uh, oh, gosh, we gave the Crusaders a win over the Gnomes. Yeah. Is that the Mahomes syndrome? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, cool, cool. I may have spoke about that in my uh, in my little piece. That uh, you may have. I I did battle. let my mind wander. <laughs> yeah, I turned it into a rap battle. <laughs> that really did have a very night before Christmas feel about it. So I guess I was just dreaming of gingerbread. Yeah, I like to bring something different to a pod, mate. That's just how I do it. I can't wait for the kicker rhyme to come back. Uh, did you <laughs> Did you also want to go after the North while you've got the mic, mate? Why not? So I've got a uh, squads versus playmaker. Oh, fuck. Here we go. Position. I go playmaker at QB here with Jalen Hurtsing Baker's butthole. <laughs> He's an extra squad at running back as Joe will be mixing it up with a big score here. Incredibly close wide receiver battle, too close to call as both have a goober and a super on their team. I was going to mention really quickly here goober and a super. I like that. Goober and a super. All right. I like it. Obvious edge at tight end for Playmaker is I can see this being one-way traffic for Travis. Wow. Yeah, yeah, great. Just great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, edge to Playmaker at Flex. The Starb and Marvin we feasting on the Texans where it, as Beasles may catch a cold doing fuck all in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I've got Playmaker taking this 104 to 97. Wow. Goodness. Playmaker. That's so good. All right. Let's move on to Jizz versus JJE. Oh, Both quarterbacks get a tough matchup. But I think Justin will put them on a dime, and you'll see it's Herbert time. Very close, though. Oof. Big edge to Jizz at running back. There won't be many miles being driven when the car rounds out of gas, Ken. I'm glad you're not making Connor jokes because then you just make them all the time about me later on. So I'm I'm grateful. I I don't know where Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast was on the uh, the rankings, but uh, it's just gone down a lot. 
Uh, Tyreek would normally give you an edge of wide receiver, but with Moore and Goblin on the other side, I'm going to have to hedge even Stevens. Even Stevens. John Uvers Pitt will give me the shits. I hope <laughs> you have soft paper. Poo poo juju. Screw you. Advantage Devonte. I've got this 10392 to Philip Rivers sack filled jizz pots. Ah, the jizz pots. I was leaning jizz pots as well. So you, you've predicted the two that I was leaning to when I was looking at this division earlier as well. Sure. And there's still time for things to change, but that, that's where I put my chips as well. So you probably looked at it slightly different from the words I just said. A, a little bit. A, a little bit. I've got to admit, it was, it was a little bit different. But, I mean, the general vibe, I'm, I'm just going to go Dennis from the castle here, the vibe and the thing, the, the vibe of the thing, it was there. Brilliant, mate. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're having more normal, podcast-friendly, not cringeworthy look at some of these matchups. Well... You know my brand, don't you? You know, very business, business. I, I have written any poems, so there's that. <laughs> of course, I'm going to save my division till second time round. I, I was going to start over in the Wild West with Olakan Space Pirates, Seahorses team versus Mark. Now, he's changed his team from going for tour. So for those who are playing from home, they are now called the Maya Liner Dolphins, because it's a bit of a mix between Miami Dolphins and the Carolina Panthers. He's part of our unrequited love of Sam Darnold's group. And, of course, the three of us, you, myself, and Mark, have all gone to the effort to change our avatars to Sam Darnold. Well, I hope he invites us to his family barbecue. Better, because I bet you it'll be a shite load better than the ones you've been invited to last year. Um, oh, yeah, just so much. So many outhouses, so much broken. Now, I found this one a little harder to pull apart than you might think because uh, I think when you pull up the projection straight away, you see Marky Mark at like 95 and Seahorse way off into the distance at like 108. But first thing first, Marky doesn't have a kicker. And, I, did, just, I did that for a while. It's actually not a bad strategy because you're like, you take backup running backs on your bench and you don't play a kicker for a while because you never know what happens at camp. All of a sudden, you end up with a guy starting running back you don't have to have a kicker right now. You can just, at the last minute, change your fifth bench guy. Because you can actually, even though you've only got four bench spots technically, you can have a fifth guy if you don't have a starter. So if yes. you do that, you're sort of waiting out any like handcuff situation or something like that. And then all of a sudden it doesn't come to fruition. You just drop that guy and then you just play a kicker right before the season starts. So I just thought I'd say that. Yeah, and I think that's 100% Marky Mark is playing... You know, sort of maybe maybe he's not playing 3D chess, but maybe he's playing chess while other people playing checkers in this respect because I think what he's done, when you look at who he's got on his bench, um, he might have squirreled away a little person who there's been some whispers about this week just on the hunch. And he figures that it's worth potentially either losing the opening game to know that he's just secured the services of someone free who would usually be worth much, much higher investment. Or, you know, he just drops the person and no harm, no foul. Gets a kicker and life's good. So that's the first thing I want to lead off with is the projections right now, chuck it out. I don't think they matter. But when you got Russell Wilson going head-to-head with Sam Darnold, mate, we have to be in the Sam Darnold camp, don't we? I don't know. I'd just like to point out you, your uh, analysis is far longer than mine for once instead of the <laughs> ridiculously long analysis I normally do. 
I, I did a nice poll for the for the viewers, and I just like that pointed out in many Instagram posts. You proceed. I, can I say that my analysis so far has been listening to you talk about why you would have five people on your bench instead of four? That's, you're not wrong. I, yeah. I, 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 I you forget that happens. That. I did take up a little bit of time there, so you, a little bit. You know, um, I'm a, again, I'm a humble man. I like to eat humble pie, and uh, you know, proceed, mate. Let's get get off my fucking clock, mate. Okay. <laughs> All right. Did I get? Was that the longest way to not say yes or no to Are we in the Sam Darnold camp over Russell Wilson? Oh, we are so in. Especially, I've looked at matchups. I'll talk about Russell Wilson later in a in a bit of a matchup goof that I'm doing. So, um, yeah. I'm all over Sam Darnold, mate. Well, we're going to be at his barbecues. We're going to be part of his family. We're going to be in his portraits. Yeah, uh, I think I'm just part of that man's life for the rest of his life, whether he knows it or not. Well, with all that said, he is uh, hosting the Jets, where Russell Wilson is going to a decently tough defense in Indianapolis, and the projections don't sort of weigh in that that would be the case. So this is the only one where I'm going to look that deeply and just go, oh, Sam Darnold, maybe Marky Mark's on or something. The, the I, Adam Gase spot. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Jets just got away from Gase and uh, Donald just got away from Gase. So, wow. uh, you know, let's play for it and see who's, who's the most happiest being away from that piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice extra element to add to this one. Um, I'm going to give Mark a huge edge at running back. McCaffrey and Jacobs are just a shite load better than Marlon Mack, who he picked up off the scrap heap this week, and Philip fucking Lindsay, Jesus Christ. But the wide receivers, I don't think either of these guys have terrific wide receivers. So, I don't know. Do you give Mark the edge there? Probably. And then, okay, I'm going to give Darren Waller over Mike Kosicki. This is a total Dolphins pickup of the Mike Kosicki. I think he'll just be as ineffective as he was last year. But against Darren Waller... He's, he's playing against Baltimore, and Baltimore probably smart enough to mainly take him away. But at the bottom of it all, Claypool's a better flex option than Randall Cobb in Marky Mark's team. But if ever there was a year where Randall Cobb could just all of a sudden come back to life, this would be it where he's in the Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to throw it every, every down, every down, every down, because I want to break every record in Packer history before I leave. So with all this said, Marky Mark's got a shite projection, but I'm leaning him, and I think I'm going to mark him safe for being defeated by the Olicon Space Pirates this week. That, I'm marking him safe. Yeah, I'm not leading him. I'm, you know, swerving towards him. And I'll speak about it later. But I I know the low-hanging fruit is to, you know, have a go at the Olicon Space Pirates. But it's not only just his team set up. It's that some of the matchups that he needs from some of his biggest players are really tough this week. So I can actually see him winning a lot more games than people think, but I don't think it's going to be this week, and I'll explain why later. Yeah, 100%. I, uh, when I first opened the page and I looked at it, I thought, how the hell? But once I got into it and looked at it, I'm like, no, nope, okay, things are the way I think they are, just the page doesn't tell me that. Mate, are you um, ready to hop in a time machine? Shit, yeah, why not? Mate, strike up the bet. I don't even know it was number one at any point in 2015. My iTunes stopped in about 2007. But whatever Coldplay song was good in 2015, fire that up because it is the Cornhuskers and Birdmen in a rematch of the 2015 Grand Final. You pumped up. I'll say Fix You, the real sad song that everyone thinks that they're going to have their wedding. Ah, oh, sorry, their funeral. Jesus, that was really different. <laughs> I said wedding, I said funeral. Couldn't be any more opposite. But uh, I've always oh, wife that I'm going to have Fix You and uh, 
my funeral once I uh, move on to the other side and you know into a world where I actually win fantasy matchups. So I'm going to say fix you. <laughs> great birthday party song. Great, uh, you know, it fires you up like yeah, hearing Eye of the Tiger. Um, it's geez. not exciting. You thought Coldplay song, so I, I brought out the first one I could think of. It's definitely not exciting. Jesus Christ. Anyhow, um, <laughs> it also might be from like 2007. But anyway, quarterback, I'm giving it to Brendan. He's got uh, Josh Allen, and I know it's against Tom Brady, but I, I, I just cannot get away from his rushing and that he's so much more likely to rush in a touch tennis well than Tom. Well, it's hard to say because Tom, for some reason, has this weird way of rushing in a one-yarder. Yeah. Does it all the time. It's an unstoppable thing in the world. I don't know why. Yeah, and I mean... I just for some reason, Tom Brady has this weird knack of doing it. My thought was that there's going to be no way that if a play was good enough to get them to a yard out, that it doesn't just get that extra yard this week. Because, I mean, they're playing the yeah. Cowboys. And Tom has to be one, like it has to be like half a yard out. It has to be like a bees dig out. Like it, he, he has to be like <laughs> to actually get in. It's not even a, it's like fourth and bees dig. It's not fourth and inches. So he, he has to be in a perfect situation to do it. Right. So I'm giving the nod to BJ there and I'm giving him the nod at wide receivers too, because um, man, I, I love BJ's wide receivers. I would love to have Tyler Lockett and Justin Jefferson on my team. They'd, they'd be good wide receivers to have. Uh, both of them coming up questionable at the moment. So I don't think there's a lot to see here. But, geez, running backs take it in the neck compared to Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Swift. The Cornhuskers looking solid there. Alvin Kamara is a solid start when you're going to go up against those two. But James White, I don't know. I realize our league's half PPR and we're 16 teams. But if James White's my running back too, I'm feeling a bit scared, right? Um, so I have worries about DeAndre Swift. Um. I don't want to go into it because I was going to speak about it later. Um, I still would give the edge to Cornhuskers because yeah. I just don't think James White's going to be too relevant. He gets an upgrade with Mac Jones, but he doesn't get the same upgrade as some of the other guys get. I think Cam Newton was going to have to pass to him because he can't pass anywhere further than the fucking Cook Noodle can go. Like, you know, how far is a Cook Noodle go? No one knows. But it's going to be not far. So he would have had to jump off to James White. So I don't know if getting a better quarterback all of a sudden means he gets a huge upgrade because all it really is he's relying on his dump offs. And I think between Damian Harris and a lesser extent, Ramon J. Stevenson, they've got the running game completely in lockdown. And there's no person stealing running back uh, goal line work. And I don't think it's going to be James White on the ground. He's only going to get passing work. DeAndre Swift worries me, but at the same time, I'd still take DeAndre Swift over James White. Like, I'm not an idiot. So, if he's there in week one, he's probably going to be about the same work in the passing game, but he's going to do way more work on the ground than uh, James White does. But Dalvin Cook is, to me, a bit of a tear ahead of Alvin Kamara. He's a bit of a passing down guy. Completely, I know I'm talking him down. It's just ridiculous. He's easily that awful Kamara guy. Fuck, he's such a waste of space. (laughs) You know, I just I see Dalvin Cook still having a better year than Alvin Kamara. That's the way I would probably preface this. I'm not trying to have a go at Alvin. Um, I would gladly have him on my team, Brandox, if you just want to pass him over to me if I'm talking down enough. Uh, But I would give the edge to uh, Cornhuskers there. 
Yeah, I did too. And I thought with tight ends, Mark Andrews versus Dallas got it. I thought that was pretty clear cut too. So at this point, I really can't separate them out. And it then comes down to James Robinson versus Jerry Judy and then kickers and defense, which can suck your nuts. Uh, I mean, the projection's reasonably tight, but I mean, uh, all I'm going to do here is because Ryan has been projected to go 14 and 0, is just lean into it. Lean into it. Ryan, you are going to the playoffs. You're going to be undefeated, 14 and 0. I don't even have to analyze any of his games for the rest of the season, actually. He said that, that this is the one time I'm going to do it. I just wanted to make sure I did it so then when I don't do it in the future, people understand why. I will say that I think Red Knox gets a leg up in the receiving game. Um, Jefferson and Lockett is actually a pretty pretty decent pairing there. Uh, yeah, I think Jefferson, so you could really tear him up. Um, I didn't like Jefferson at his ADP, but just looking at him you know, straight up against his matchup, I think he's going to have a great game. I think Lockett was actually a real decent pickup at ADP. I wasn't sure why he was going so much low. He was sort of left. He was almost like Amari Cooper, but even worse. Like they just assumed that um, Metcalf was just going to keep going so far forward. So Lockett was just left for dead, even further than Amari was. And I know the team's probably going to run the ball a little bit more, but there's going to be games, maybe even this one, where they're a little bit, you know, behind and they need to throw it. So. I see that as a leg up for Brendox. Um, I'm worried about something that I'll talk about later. I love T Higgins, so but I wouldn't put him ahead of uh, Jefferson, no way, and uh, put him on the same level as Lockett. So I'll give that as a Brendox win there. Yeah, I gave Brendo the nudge there and at quarterback. So really, it was just hard to pull him apart because um, they sort of had of those core groups. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. They kind of each had a, an edge at one of the two position starters and one of the one position starters. So out of those six, they kind of shared it. So that was kind of tricky, but no, that's it. Look, uh, Ryan's subscription does not lie. 14 and 0. Uh, I'm going to move across to the East because there's, there's nothing but stars in the East. Did you know? You got the last year's champion, which is Scuba and his son Hayden, who I assume is calling most of the shots over there. Cause I think Scuba is pretty close to retiring versus last year's wooden spooners, Jackal's quarantine. I think usually you'd think that'd be pretty open and shut, but mate, I had a harder time pulling these teams apart than I thought too. And as I looked down, I gave ten dollar Booker the edge at quarterback, but but then I had to give Quarantine the edge at wide receiver, and and the running backs to me were pretty tight. So um, it came down to me to man, give me Gronk, give me Gronk over Jared Cook at tight end, give me Tyler Boyd over Robbie Anderson in the flex. Are oh, you're going to hate that? But, you know, I think the champ might be in danger of an early loss to the 2020 Wooden Spooner. All aboard the Jackal train. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't have Tyler Boyd in the flex anymore. He's got Jamar Chase. I would suggest that he should probably change if I had to make a suggestion to the champ, which he's a champ. So, you know, there's no point doing that. Uh, I think Tyler Boyd's going to be better from the get-go. I think Chase is going to be the second half of the year guy, so I would suggest doing that. But just based on what you said, uh, I actually give an edge to Jackal as well. And oh. I'll actually talk about that there as well. I actually like Jackal's team. I know everyone sort of gave him shit in the messenger group about the trade in with me, but I actually think it made his team a bit better dispersed um, over his whole team because he was able to flex Robbie Anderson, who I actually think is a really good pick up to him. So, yeah, I actually give the edge to Jackal as well. Giddy up, Jackal, mate. Uh, I'm not looking forward to having to play Jackal twice this year. It's the only time I've ever had to say that. <laughs> to me, this is the matchup of the round. 
because I have been sniping the shit out of Adam. I've been going for him. I'm gunning for him. I've been talking so much shit. All the shit. The Queensland football team, he's changed his name. Because after I established it, he has never won a playoff game to the point which made him feel really teary. He did discover he'd actually won a third place playoff, which isn't really a playoff game. It doesn't count for anything. It doesn't matter. No one's monitoring the result of that. His opponent doesn't set a lineup for it. But good for you, Adam. Good for you, mate. (laughs) Pretty clearly an edge to Adam in this one, though. But, you know, the part that makes me nervous for him is that Saquon still hasn't had contact. He hasn't played in a, a practice or a scrimmage with contact. And this season starts in a couple of days. What? And I think that makes Deontay Booker kind of helpful. So wouldn't that be useful if he was on your roster, Adam? Come and talk to me. We'll, we'll have a talk. Uh, anyway, the 15-point projection for a guy who hasn't done as much as a firm turd since September is going to be a pretty big factor in how this one works out because the rest of my roster is okay. It's just if he's putting a lot of eggs on Saquon, turning up, playing the full game, playing a Saquon kind of game, week one, after all this time sitting out and he still hasn't even been tackled, I think he's joking. Um, so, historically, Adam 3-0 against Matty C. I'm calling. We're tearing down the wall. Matty C's getting one back. Um, I'm just confused about the whole third place thing. If he's never won a playoff game, how did he get to the third and fourth playoff? Uh, okay, so he gets the third and fourth playoff by losing a semi-final, yeah? Because it was a two seed that year. Four seed, yeah, okay. And then he, sorry, top two seed, then played against the winner of the first round, then lost and was out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, Cameron, I've got no, you. You know, just, you know, just, just keep clearing things up for my own mental psyche. Fuck uh, you, Adam. You never won, mate. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> you probably copped it enough from Matty C here. Um, it's a really, it's a really tough one to call. Uh, I'm actually going to go with you, though. I'm, I'm going to err on the side of caution that maybe Barber actually has a pretty decent game against uh, Minnesota. Uh I don't know if he gets out of Fournette, but I like Chris Carson. I think he's going to have a great year. Your receiving call is going to bring it home. And Burns is probably going to eke out some weird game that you don't expect that at least five or six points and then get him enough. So I'm going to just give, give me a one-yard game. touchdown for Ertz. I don't care if he does nothing else all day. Just give me a one-yard touchdown. Just a Kyle Rudolph game. That's all I want. I just think... I'd rather play Adam now than later. I just think Saquon's going to struggle early. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near um, full go at the start. Uh, Kareem Hunt is completely game dependent. Um, he only has about four or five rushes a game, so he's going to be really efficient with those four or five rushes. And then, look, he is playing Kansas City, which is a good matchup for him, I believe, because yeah, I think so too. he's going to have to come behind probably. But I just can't guarantee exactly what the work is for Kareem Hunt as well. So um, just because you've got Devontae and uh, Mike Evans, I'm going to give it the edge. Wow, Wooshka. So in this division, we've got uh, last year's Wooden Spooner Jackal and Matty C, who's drafted horribly by picking a guy with a broken ACL in the third round, taking out the win. So very good, very, very good. I like that we're bold. It's going to be incredibly close either way, put it that way. And yeah. It is, it is a big call because... I, I put Adam ahead of you uh, for the for the division just because of that gamble, like the whole Gus Edwards, uh, J.K. Dobbins thing. But just off this one week with some matchups and stuff like that, I'm uh, going to slightly edge you. 
Yeah, I feel like I've just got this lucky little edge this week, which would be great. And uh, when Saquon turns up and drops a 26, I'm going to be fucked and it'll be fine. <laughs> oh, if Saquon goes anywhere near his projection even, oh, I think you're in deep trouble. I just, oh, totally. Saquon struggles week one. Totally. And that's what I'm expecting to happen is that they'll ease him back in. He hasn't even been tackled once since, you know, September. As I said, done not even as much as a good firm turd since then. So, you know, he's got nothing to show us. I'm just expecting that's going to take a minute. Mate, this is the one thing we're recycling from last year is the Studley and Dudley. The, the, the crowd could not live without this. So we've brought it back. Where do you want to go with this? Where do you want to start? Yeah, Studley versus Dudley or Goober versus Super. I don't, I don't know what we're doing. but uh, Goober versus Super? Uh, yeah. You know, if we want to revamp it, uh, that's uh, that's something we can do. So I'll Ooh. put it down as Goober versus Super for whatever reason. Let's, oh, uh, yeah, so okay. We'll, I'll get a drop for you. We'll work it out in the next week or so. We'll get a drop for you. So for Super, I'm going with Mr. Worldwide. That's all stuff strong and takes down the champ. His key will be most it. He's going to destroy the Lions with a prediction of 25 points. <gasps> Brown gets a great matchup. Anderson gets a great matchup. Even Kirk Cousins, Mr. Vanilla Ice Cream, gets a great matchup. One, two, three, four, uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Great matchups. <laughs> I'll quickly mention that I was close to taking Cornhuskers, but just two quick things that my brain talked me out of. The Andre Swift situation is concerning. No one knows either if he's even playing in week one or even if he is, what capacity he will be. And I've spoken about guys coming off an ACL tear and I need to see what Sutton looks like. And the Giants are actually quite stout against the pass. So I can see both of those guys starting slowly. Otherwise, his team's great. Let's go worldwide. There's already banter between him and Steven, so why not take a shot on that matchup? Ah, and these guys, they're both proud enough to really bring some good banter too. So they, they need to keep this up. Yep. I'm on Team Jackal. Let's go. Team Jackal. Yeah, I feel like I've never got a tattoo before. I feel like I could live with having Team Jackal tattooed on me. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and all chips in. This could be Jackal's year to make the playoffs. I know you want me. You know I want you. <laughs> Yeah. I also need to do a drop for when it's Taylor's song time because we're getting them every episode at the moment and I don't want to discourage it. I really want to find a way to just, you know, breathe more air onto that raging fire. Uh, we'll just keep bringing up uh, any uh, <laughs> any Mr. Worldwide. So breathe the pimple out. Oh, now my good that everyone looks forward to. Uh, now, I didn't want to just accept the low-hanging fruit like I mentioned earlier. But unfortunately, I do have to go to space for it. A big part of his team is Russ, and straight off the bat, he gets a tough Colts defense plus the team uh, has talked about needing to lean on the run more, especially in a tough game like this. Mac is a backup and is against Seattle, who are actually great against the run last season, despite being an absolute sack of potatoes against the pass. Landry gets the Chiefs, who are far better at defending the pass than the run. Plus, his biggest name, Walla the Bowler, gets Baltimore, who locked down team's main option frequently. I personally see Seahorse's team being far better than expectation over the course of the season, but unfortunately, it won't come this week, in my opinion. Well, I've got to tell you, I've got actually quite a few bits of Seahorse's team in my Champions League team, so when you say that, it makes my heart hurt. <laughs> 
I'm looking forward to seeing too Seahorse just completely rebel against this and put up like 125 because this was the the trend last year when you call someone out as the goober. Not only would they win, but they'd also end up with like a top five performance. Absolutely. I was way better at picking the top team than I was the worst. I think what was it the other? I can't even remember how it worked out last year. Someone roll back the tank. Mate, there was one where you picked me as the worst team. You had a real crack at me, and I've used you saying that you're going to have a crack at me in a few drops. And then I turned around and won, but not because my team was good. It's literally because the person I was playing against dropped dead in front of me, and I just walked over their corpse. That was it. I really should have just picked whoever played you every single week as the worst team of the week. Yeah, yeah, it would have worked for about five out of six weeks there for a row. It was, yeah, horrendous. Um, mate, we've got a brand, brand new new segment. Do you want to do you want to mention what it's called before I play the drop? Hawk Watch, baby. Hawk Watch. Hawk Watch. <laughs> Explain. Hawk watch. And I may have got this wrong. I thought you said hawk watch. So I've made, uh, there's a sound of a hawk and it's going to appear every 13 seconds and the music behind us. So enjoy that. So it all started from me and Matty C on a side combo in our messenger group. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned I took him in an eighth round of a 12-team uh, full PPR lead. And I said that I thought that was incredible value. And Matty C said, hold up. I don't think that actually is incredible value. I think you could have taken someone anywhere from basically tight end five to tight end twelve, and you would have got the same value. And yep. so I just wanted to say my case. Okay. People forget that Stafford wasn't great last season. He played half a quarter against the Bucks and never quite looked right to me. So drop off in quarterback isn't as much as people think. His golf is far better than anyone else. They trotted out with Staff without with this obvious infection. <laughs> also. Hawk was competing against Kenny Golladay and Marvin Jones, who were both gone and replaced with a used condom. Spoiler alert, it wasn't used by Philip Rivers. <laughs> Hawk is going to be a target monster, and my point is that even though I don't see a high touchdown ceiling for him, in any sort of PPR league, and this one's full PPR, he is far better option than the guys you normally see in the eighth round roughly, tight end 10-12, which it normally is. Now, I completely understand your argument based on past stats. Tight end 4 only scored like 10 more points over a whole season than tight end 10 last season. So I get that, but I see a different situation this season. I think this year there is an actual second tier that will matter. Obviously, no one is beating the top three unless there's an injury, but I believe that Hawk, Andrews, Pitts and Higby will be far better than the rest of the pack. I wouldn't take Andrews or Pitts because I think they are going far too high and in normal situations I probably wouldn't even get Hoff who we're talking about. But this conversation was purely based on being able to get him in the 8th round which I believe is great value. I also believe that Higby is even better value because I see him going the ninth, 10th in some leagues. I'm dying on the Hoff Hill though because I have far more trust in his receptions total than Higby. The rest are completely touchdown dependent, which no one can 100% predict. So I'd rather take someone that I see getting plenty of targets. And who knows, maybe the positive touchdown progression comes with all those targets. Again, this all came from a conversation about me taking Cock in the eighth in the league and me believing that it was value and, and you thought it wasn't. I'm not comparing him to his normal ADP. I'm comparing him to being taken late in the eighth round. If everyone's going at their consensus ADP, I probably wouldn't take him. I'd take the top three or Higby, without question. All right, and so 
in my case against Hock here, it was very much that, oh, well, the eighth round, you're talking about a guy being drafted in the 80s, where his ADP is, you know, the late 70s. So how much value do you get from a guy there? And, and when you look at exactly what you did there, just look at the guys around him, Andrews, Pitts, um, Logan Thomas, and Tyler Higby. You know, you can say all these same sort of things about Kyle Pitts, who's just seen, oh, only Julio Jones leave the building in an offense where pass catching in the middle of the field is going to be super important to a team who's got an absolutely awful defense as well. Uh, Tyler Higby is kind of on the other end of it. He's kind of on the tight side of a de- team with a good defense who's not going to have to pass a ton, uh, even though he's getting a guy who, you know, we've said we've seen in the past Matt Stafford be someone who does like to throw to a tight end, and he's just shaken off Gerald Everett as like part of a weird timeshare there where really truly neither of them are getting much volume. And I think Eric Ebron would probably tell you, no, actually, Matt Stafford doesn't like to throw to a tight end at Detroit. I just don't feel like there's enough evidence for me to say that Hawkinson does have the tremendous upside that you're sort of talking about is, is available there for him to be valued. To me, there's such just a likelihood he's winding up at exactly what you paid for him and, and you're not feeling any better about it than you would if you took, you know, Robert Tonyan and Robert Tonyan rolls back up a sixth-place finish, seventh-place finish. Ah, to me, it's all the same. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. I'm, I'm playing the card of, I'm indifferent. I'm just indifferent. Whatever. Any of these guys are the same. And, and to me, my understanding too is in this point, you're like, yeah, they're the same. But for me, where I got Hawkinson makes me feel better about him. Yeah? That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm, I, if I'd taken him exactly where his ADP was, this wouldn't even be a thing. You'd be probably saying issues to why I took him there. I'd understand it, but I would just say, oh, look, I think he's got upside. I think he's going to have way more receptions than last year, blah, blah, blah. But my whole point that I'm dying on is that from an eight-round pick, there is complete value there because I think there is actually a second tier in tight end this year that I haven't seen before, and that might not come to fruition. You know, I'm sure some of those second-tier guys I see probably won't turn out as good as I think. But I just think that I know that those other three guys in that tier actually went before Hawk in that league, which I thought was ridiculous. So I took him in an eighth round, which he was normally going in fifth and sixth. So that's where I see the value. But I understand what you're saying. When I looked at the stats from last year, there really wasn't a difference between the top three from everyone else. Um, So I'm more making a play that it's not based off past stats, that it's more based off what you see in front of you of Hawkinson. So I think it's just something we're going to keep a look you know, keep a, a look out for the year. I don't have Hawkinson in our league. It's good. It's Scores, but you know, I'm more hoping that Scores gets some good value out of him because well, I'm sure we'll touch on it. And I don't think we're trying to, you know, destroy each other with our calls. It's just something that we've looked at and had a slightly different opinion about. You know, that's what fantasy football is about. You die yeah. on your own hill. Yeah. I think what we discovered too is. Gee, we actually don't disagree on terribly many things. So when we do, we actually kind of need to make a bit of a deal about it and start drawing some lines. So this is one of them where it's like, I got great value. And me being like, no, you didn't. And you being like, yeah, I did. And me being like, no, you didn't. And it just turns this into like a, a schoolyard fight that actually kind of has some, uh, some nuts to it because we'll, we'll check in with Hawk. Might not be every week, but we'll be checking in with him pretty often and just sort of see how he's traveling versus what you might expect out of an eighth round tight end, how he's traveling in terms of scoring at the tight end position. We're, we're just going to, 
you know, send the chopper over the traffic and just see how Hawk's doing. Um, and, and this is the whole reason I made a drop that's, for it. That's pretty much the exact conversation we have, by the way, uh, listeners. He's not going to go, yeah, it is. He's not going to go, no, it is. That's pretty much the way we talk. And I mean, it started in text and then I went to leaving you voice messages to be like, "Uh, what are you doing? (laughs) This guy's not worth anything. It's 100% what happened. (laughs) 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 Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for the first version of Hawkwatch. I would suggest taking Kelsey at 10. It sort of solidifies you in that position already so you don't have to look for a later guy. I've drawn a line between Chubb and Jones, and it's probably wrong. Then I've kind of got to live with who I get. And I've never had a first-round tight end before, and that makes me wee in my pants a little bit. Makes me nervous. The one that I don't have a drop for yet is for mailbag. Oh, I'm going to see if I can knock one up. Maybe this will be a lion or we'll have a mailbag drop. But, Tay, for the third show in a row, I've got a message on Twitter. Brilliant, mate. I love this shit. And I love that I have absolutely no idea what's coming at me before I, I answer it. It's, it's just- well, mate, and you know I would answer it, but it's so much more fun to ambush you with it. So that's 100% what exactly. I'm doing with every time I get it. Go. Half the fun here, I think, too, is just check out this uh, handle. At Brian24. That is Brian with six eyes, by the way. And apparently there were 23 others with that because he's at Brian24. Very good. <laughs> yeah, apparently, you know, five eyes was taken, so you had to, you had to go six. <laughs> he's the 24th person to go to the six eyes. Here's his question, brother. <clears throat> I'm in a deep league, 14 teams. We've got six on the bench. I drafted Herbert. I'm pretty happy. But would you just sneaky use a spot on Deshaun Watson? Is it worth bothering? Keep up the great work. I... Look, Marky Mark um, in our league used one. Um, I don't believe so because I, I look look at your best case scenario where her uh, Watson's back. Yeah, are you actually thinking that you're going to play him over Herbert in a certain scenario? It would have to be basically Watson getting an awesome matchup, you know, presumably with Miami, who he's been traded to. So you've got to hope for a trade because I really don't see him playing the Texans this year at all. Is there really a matchup that you're so worried about with Herbert um, that you would actually play Watson over? No. Uh, you're probably only going to need it if uh, Herbert's injured. Um, he doesn't rush a lot. It, the chances of Herbert getting injured, I really don't want to put a mocker on my husband. Sorry, baby, love you. Um, but... I wouldn't bother with it, honestly. I know it's deep, so I'm not going to talk you out of it. Like, if you're taking Watson and insane last pick, I'd rather take like a Darnold. I'd rather take a Zach Wilson. I'd rather take someone that you haven't actually seen anything out of that might have upside than taking a guy that you need to basically get traded out of his team um, to actually get any value and that's if, like, the NFL doesn't put any lock on him because of, you know, the fact that he's been raping people. You know, that's that's a pretty decent reason. You know, SVU, Olivia Benson. Might slow down your availability, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it might do. So, um, look, I probably wouldn't bother with it personally, especially because I know a lot of other people in leagues are normally taking Watson, not even last. Like they sort of taken a shot at him a little bit earlier than that. 
I'd rather a couple of those guys I just spoke about. I've spoken about Trey Lance, Justin Fields. I think those guys have way bigger upsides because they can rush. But, you know, they're new kids on the block when they take over. They're the kind of guys I'd rather have for the second half of the year, even than Watson, because you don't know exactly what you're going to get out of Watson. Does he even take over from Tua if he's traded? Is, is Tua involved in the trade for Watson? Who knows? It's too much question mark. So... I would say no, maybe look elsewhere in the quarterback position because if you've got Herbert, who are you on? Like, are you really not playing Herbert? It depends where you get him. If you get him last round, that's fine. If you are going earlier, I would rather wait and take one of those guys I'll mention. There you go. So I guess for Brian24, sounds like he's drafted already because he's saying, would you use a sneaky spot? Uh, maybe he hasn't. He hasn't really told us, but I mean, when I looked at Herbert, I thought, oh man, are you kidding? So you start at Washington. That's that's not great. But gee, you get Dallas, who've been a leaky O-ring of a defense. Kansas City, who aren't scary. The Raiders, also not scary. And then I kind of saw the next month, Cleveland at Baltimore, then a bye, then New England. I'm like, mm, that's actually a month of defenses that don't sound great. So I could understand... If something happened in the Watson scenario where, yeah, maybe he's playing even if it is for the Texans, mm, unlikely, but maybe he is playing and he's in a team that's junk and he can just amass points. But even if he is at a different team, I don't know how many horrible matchups there are against Deshaun Watson because what he do- doesn't throw, he makes up four with his legs. But, gee, already we're dreaming a long way down the pipeline, right? Like there's so many things have to happen before any of this becomes imaginable, yeah? That's the problem. You need, like, two or three things to happen for it even to be a viable option to play over Justin Herbert. And, like, if you're saying that he's actually a waiver-wire pickup, then I'm all all for it. Like, you've got a deep league and you don't have a a backup quarterback already, I would probably have a backup quarterback in a league like that. And if Deshaun Watson is just sitting on your waivers, even in a deep league like that, um, look, I'm all for it. Go for it because you, you know, you're not needing that to happen. And I'm sure some of those guys I mentioned might even still be there if nothing happens with Watson. He just sits in Texans and just goes to jail. You know, like I'm sure there'll be some other guys you could pick up. But if I'm in a draft looking at this, I'm not taking Watson in that spot when I know I can get someone that I like better a little bit later, if not at the same spot. So. If you're thinking about taking him, I wouldn't. If he's literally sitting on your waivers and you've got a huge bench, then I'm all for taking him. Well, I think we've cleared that one up. Good luck for your season, Brian, 24, with six eyes. Um, Keep the mail coming too, because I think, Tay, are you enjoying just getting these out of nowhere? I love it, mate. Well, I would just take questions all day. I don't really care. Like, I don't have all this stuff in my mind straight away, but when someone asks a question, I feel like I have a decent idea on what I would do in the same situation these people were looking at. So the more questions, the better. I can't wait. I love, I love hearing stuff like that. Is there anything else we need to cover now before we uh, bid the people farewell and good luck and give them a slap on the ass? I don't think so, mate. Just, yeah. I think I talked about my team more last week when it was worse. Yeah. Than, than I did actually this week. I had my own segment where I talked about my trades. It probably goes to the whole fact that I almost like talking on my team when it needs help. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just I'm loving how much uh, people are, are really keen to do trades and are really part of this league. You know, I saw it you know last week with the draft. 
but everyone seems involved. Even the people I'm reaching out to for trades on Messenger uh, are, are getting back to me way quicker. And, you know, as much as I'm probably pissing people off of some of my trades, they probably see a couple and they're like, fuck, a couple of this guy's trading with me again. He's already done four and 16 hours. But yeah. oh, I'm just really keen to see how this league goes this year because I've never seen more people more involved and it seems to be like that every single year and the league's going from strength to strength so I just can't wait mate oh, I can't wait for uh, Friday Australian time for the for the first game and bring it on well mate good luck in your matchup um, I don't need luck in mine I'm going to crush Adam it's going to be great uh, and, and I'll catch you on the other side for week one yeah. sounds good mate hooroo Hooroo! Play. Play it. This is the Astro League Fantasy Football Podcast. League specific news, information, and stats with your obnoxious commissioner, Maddie C.